Welcome to the Authentic Discipleship Podcast, where we seek to encourage and empower you on how to make disciples in and through authentic relationships, recapturing the heart of the early church that we read about in the Bible. Our goal is simply to equip you so that you can make a life-changing difference where God has planted you all for the glory of God and the good of the world. We pray that you are blessed by this week's episode. Podcast where everything we're talking about uh, is doing 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 discipleship in relational environments. And man, I'm pumped for the day. Uh, I have a guest, um, uh, Mr. Trent Stewart, Pastor Trent Stewart. So Trent, thank you for joining us. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. Excited to have a conversation. Yeah, awesome. So uh, Trent is the pastor of Foothills Church uh, in Maryville, right outside of Knoxville. And uh, just so honored that he would join us. Um, Trent uh, has just done amazing things as it comes to uh, discipleship and just really respect him and Foothills Church. And uh, so, man, I'm just pumped that you would join us, man. So um, let's just get started. When you look at Foothills Church, um, man, I just love the vision statement. Would you mind sharing that with us? Yeah, um, our vision is to develop mature disciples of Christ in relational environments. Awesome. Awesome. And uh, yeah, so tell us a little bit about that, because you guys have really uh, seemed like you've really held to that vision. And as the church has grown, uh, you still value discipleship in those environments. So where did you kind of come up with that being the heartbeat of the church? Yeah, um, well, I guess I would start kind of in the beginning. I'm a pastor's kid, so I was raised in the church. Um, I, I feel like I was at church more than anybody else. I, I grew up in the days of, you know, obviously Sunday morning, Sunday night, Tuesday night visitation, Wednesday night church. I mean, we were there all the time. And so, um, you know, I watched my dad lead. Um, he had a thriving church in Knoxville, grew very kind of performance driven music ministry, big choir, big production. So, uh, I learned how to draw a crowd, I guess, even as a kid. Um, I kind of fought my calling, but once once I finally, after college, uh, went into ministry, uh, went to seminary, pastored a church, then went back and was a student pastor at my dad's church. And so I was able to kind of design a student ministry around my gift sets. And I didn't know what I was doing other than just kind of what I saw my dad doing. Um, and so I was just passionate about evangelism and helping students grow closer to Christ. And so I just started to connect with just men in our church uh, who were like me and kind of recruited them into our student ministry and just really became uh, really good friends with them. They started leading small groups in uh, the student ministry and I would meet with them for breakfast and we would have Bible studies and we would meet up and we call them man nights and we'd eat red meat and sit around a fire and talk about life and uh, church and family. And those guys became my friends and they, they really grew as leaders and, at the same time, um, I was connecting with certain students on a deeper level, like with breakfast. And, and um, I, I had teenagers in my house every week uh, with the guys in my small group, you know. And so we I was having Bible studies with those guys playing Call of Duty and Guitar Hero back in those days with them and just having a blast. Uh, ministry was fun. Um, kids were getting saved. Leaders and students were, were growing. And I didn't know what I was doing, but 
I, I, I saw God work um, in that midst. And so I wanted to plant a church. My dad, he wanted to retire. And there were rumors of me taking over his, his role, but I had zero desire to take over his church. <laughs> so um, <laughs> over the course of two or three years, I really just kind of, um, you know, he and I having conversations about next step. He wanted to plant a church. I wanted to plant a church. And so long story short, we decided to plant um, about 20 minutes from downtown Knoxville. It was about 45 minutes from his church. And um, and so we did. And he sent 50 people from his church. Wow. We started in a school and uh, we we started it that way. And it, it, it was just fantastic. And so at the same time as I'm in ministry, you know, as a student pastor, I'm I'm going to every conference known to man. And, you know, back in the, you know, early 2000s, conferences were all the rave for churches, right? I mean, in leadership. So I, I was at right. John Maxwell conferences, the Purpose Driven Conference, Rick Warren, Willow Creek with Hybels, North Point, North Coast, Larry Osborne, Catalyst Conference. Of course, I had gone to Southern Seminary. So guys like Dr. Moeller, Tom Rayner, Chuck Lawless, Brad Wagner, these guys had a huge impact on like what ministry was, what, what uh, discipleship was. And Really, seminary was a huge thing for me. I actually loved seminary. It was it was life uh, shaping for me at that point. And so, mm-hmm. one of the things I remember about that is the definition for really what discipleship and evangelism really was at that at, at that time. I was learning that, and um, yeah. I always kind of had it in my mind that it was kind of two different things, right? You had your discipleship mm-hmm. pastor, you had your evangelism yeah. pastor, and so two different things, but really in seminary, they really did a great job helping me realize that evangelism isn't finished or complete until discipleship has taken place. And, and the, and, and you have a fruit bearing disciple is what they always would, would, would talk about it. We fruit bearing disciple. That's, that's, that's what it is. And so that just stuck with me. And so, um, in planning a church, I knew, you know, that I didn't care about, how big the church got, um, you know, I, of course I wanted the church to grow because when you're leading people to Christ, new people are coming, it's going to naturally grow, but kind of growing up in a, you know, in a large church, I wasn't impressed. You know, I saw yeah. all these guys who were on stage, you know, behind, you know, closed doors. And so I wasn't really impressed with anything that, you know, they had and, and the big, big crowd didn't impress me. So I was going after something different. And so when we were we were uh, right on the heels of planning the church and getting it going, and I went to a conference in Loveland, Colorado by group ministry. And I go to a breakout session randomly. And this guy named Jim Putnam is given the breakout session. And Jim is talking about all the problems with the churches in, in America and you know, how church is not about getting butts in seats. It's about making disciples. And he started talking about how his church makes disciples and it's not about the right curriculum. It's not about education. It's about being in relationship with people and listening to what he was saying and the issues that he was talking about. And I was realizing like what I was doing intuitively as a student pastor, he was articulating everything that I had been experiencing and everything that I was doing and wanted to do and wanted to, what I was really passionate about. And so all the frustrating parts about ministry, you know, he was, he was just, you know, hitting the the nail on the head. And so 
we came back from that. Uh, I was there with my brother, uh, my, my brother Todd. And so after that, we were like, well, we got to go to his church because he's, you know, he's got a conference. And so we went out there for two days and just soaked up everything that they did and what, you know, what they were doing yeah. at their churches. And so when we, when I came back from that, you know, I was like, okay, what, what am I going to do? And so really all the things that had shaped me throughout the course of my ministry, the people that I've learned from books I've read seminary. Um, I just kind of used everything that I, I had learned and just kind of pieced it together from all of that to kind of come up with our strategy and to kind of come up with, with our vision statement. I knew I wanted mm-hmm. making disciples to be the heartbeat. And I knew that, you know, when you look at the life of Jesus, like that's how he did it, like yeah. in relationships. And so I, I just kind of felt like that was probably a good idea <laughs> to just follow what he did. <laughs> I, of yeah. course, I wanted to be the best preacher that I could be. And so I, I worked really hard mm-hmm. and try to deliver sermons that are practical, that are biblical, um, that people can really understand and apply to their life. And so I, I feel like that that was part of the calling. And then the other calling is just to lead like the structures and the systems and the ministry that help people really grow in their relationship with Christ. And so as a church, I mean, we grew, um, we steadily grew, you know? Um, and so I feel like it's been just healthy growth over the years. Um, every yeah. time, you know, we've kind of created space for new people, God has filled it up and it's just kind of been a, a steady growth for 13 years. We've got over 3,500 people in two locations and online. And so, um, Obviously, you know, relational discipleship is is the heartbeat and the key behind, you know, everything. And so that's a, a long answer to your question. <laughs> yeah, no, man, so good. And, and some of this content, uh, some of this podcast may be selfish for me because I love I love hearing that. And, and I appreciate uh, our calls and the time we spent and learned so much because uh, I love the I'm looking through that same lens and a lot of it of personally of feeling the effects of it and man you 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 want this for others uh you know a book that was handed to me changed my whole life robert coleman master plan of evangelism yeah Mm -hmm. of uh you know just kind of seeing jesus of like you're talking about relational discipleship you look at the gospels and so jesus did yeah Uh, right yeah you know you're talking about your friends and the red meat and and for us man we're we're way down south so and we cook duck. We cook all kinds of crazy <laughs> stuff. When I first got into doing small groups, and and uh, you know I was brand new, but I, I knew that you get food and guys and the word, and God just seems to do something really cool. Yeah, uh, in those environments. Yeah, and um, and and so for me, the biggest thing is like, I you know I grew up in the Baptist world, and so Baptist theology and and just church like. Um, ministry. And so the thing that we always see in a Baptist church is like an education model, right? Let's do a Bible study that gathers people. We sit in rows, we sit in a classroom and somebody teaches us for an hour. And then after he's done or she's done, it's like, okay, good job. Let's pray. And we go home. And so we just kind of feel like that's the way that discipleship has church training, you know, Sundays at 5 PM every, every Sunday back in the day. But over, I mean, I guess just over time, we just realized that that's education. Yeah, learning some new stuff is important from the Bible, but that can't be the tip of the sword. It wasn't yeah. for Jesus. I mean, so we 
we, we have to realize that it's like everybody's different. Everybody has a different need as far as where they're at spiritually and what they really need to do to grow. And so it's being in a relationship with them, listening to them, hearing what they say, uh, hearing what they're struggling with. And then as a leader, having the initiative and the boldness and the courage to say, hey, you know what? This is what God's word says about that. Uh, are you sure that's a good idea? You should think about this. And, you know, we're influencing and steering people towards growth and that next step. And that's what discipleship is. And you can't really disciple somebody unless you know them. And so. Amen. Amen. Man, that's great. Man, that's great. So good. And, and uh, yeah, I mean, you're spot on. I mean, you see it. It's in the word, man. Um, it's great. What uh, And I will ask, because I think you've already answered this question, but. With content, uh, with small groups, and in your more uh, intimate discipling relationships, what what's been kind of the content you guys are putting out um, for for these environments? Or do you empower more of the leaders? Are they getting more of a hey, you guys are the shepherds? Um, I would love to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah, for small group curriculum, we use sermon based content, and so. Um, um, you know, by the end of the day on Wednesday, I'm sermon. I'm sending my sermon to um, our pastors of development. He's taken that sermon and he's creating questions and adding pieces and adding commentary and and giving, you know, things uh, for our our small group leaders to use. And so they they get that uh, by end of week. And so a lot of them have small groups on Sunday nights or Sunday afternoons. So. You know, they have that on the weekend, then they hear the sermon, they've got that, they use that. And uh, we, we have space throughout the year where we'll take four to six weeks and then we'll give like, you know, five or six different options that um, small groups can choose from, whether it be like marriage or parenting or something like that to kind of give them freedom to kind of do whatever they want to do. But for the majority of the year, we're doing sermon-based content just because we feel like we're putting so much energy into the sermon and uh, it's giving direction for the life of our church. So we want our, our small group leaders to dive in deeper to that content um, as opposed to talking about one thing on Sunday morning and then Sunday night or in the week talking about something completely different. Uh, just We feel like that was just more intentional. Yeah. Yeah, that, that, that makes sense for sure. And man, just the thing, and I, I think I've told you this in our uh, in our conversations, but the ability to scale uh, discipleship yeah. remaining important as the church grows. I think one of the uniques that just attracted me to, to really connect with you is that a lot of times ministries, as they grow, they punt on discipleship, right? It's like you keep up the fight and then okay, like it's, it's beyond big. And so you guys have been able to scale that. Uh, I, I believe last time we talked, over 2,000 people are, are in small groups uh, at Foothills, if, if I remember right. I don't know the number exactly, but we've been up close to that for sure, yeah. Gotcha. So how So as you guys have grown, you continue to put a premium on discipleship. So how do you do that? As the church grows, how do you scale relational discipleship. I would love to, yeah, hear you talk through that. Well, I mean, to, I guess, first of all, to guard just the value of, of making disciples is, is part of that process because, you know, vision constantly leaks. Um, and so, uh, you've got to constantly cast vision to your staff and to your church that this is the great commission and making disciples 
is the mission. It, it is what we're doing. And so um, as a leader, we're never as clear as we think that we are. And so it, it happens to all of us. You know, we give a talk, we preach a sermon, we have a meeting and we walk out and we think, they got it. They heard it. <laughs> I said everything I needed to say. Um, but in my experience, rarely, if ever, does it work out that way. Like it's not just one sermon or one meeting. Mm -hmm. It you have to say it well and you have to say it often, you know, all the time. And so that's part of it. And then as a church, you also have to guard your calendar um, to keep discipleship at the forefront because the tendency, especially as you grow, it gets more complicated. You get more people around and they want to do more stuff, more stuff that they, they like. And so you find yourself saying no to a lot of people and to a lot of ideas and to a lot of events um, because, you know, we, you know, we want to go after people who are lost, bring them to Christ and yeah. grow them in our church. But obviously, especially after COVID, people move in, a lot of people move in, in our area. We get Christians that come to our church. And so what that does though, is they bring in their old church culture and how they did things and their old ministry and, you know, all of that stuff comes into play. And so that can be hard to bring people into alignment. You know, what we do, we're not going to do all of these exterior ministries. We're not going to fill up the calendar with all of these, you know, programs and, and, and things to keep people busy all, all week because that just muddies the water and it really mm -hmm. makes it difficult to keep the priority of discipleship in front of people. Even though a lot of the ideas and a lot of things people want to do, they put under the banner of discipleship. Well, this is going to grow people. But again, it's, it's not necessarily the going to grow people. <laughs> you know yeah so everybody everybody thinks their ministry or their thing is going to grow people and they can try to connect that but at the end of the day you know you really have to look at history you look at you know did that really work at other churches and is that really producing the type of leader that can go bear fruit and make other disciples because really that's ultimately what we're trying to do is make disciples who can make disciples and so right you know, so we got to guard the we got to guard the, the the calendar on that, and then, you know, we we have to focus on being intentional uh, to track what we're doing. Is it really working? We got to hold people accountable to that, and so all that's a hard job. If you really, you know, are helping people grow and you're you're developing that small group ministry, it's just it just takes a lot of hard work to keep it moving and growing in the right direction. Um, and so, how do you scale it? Well. On one hand, it's kind of simple to scale because what all you have to do is develop leaders. <laughs> but at, you know, the, the hard part is is actually developing the people, right? And so you need a system to help people do it, hold them accountable to it, and keep them focused on it. And so that really comes down to the lead pastor, the senior pastor. You know, if he cares about it, if he models it. Because if he's not modeling it and doesn't talk about it regularly, almost every Sunday, if not, you know, in, in all of the sermons, it comes into play somehow. It, you know, we're always talking about small groups. We're always given that airtime. You know, it's it's not just a piece of the puzzle. It really has to become, you know, the, the makeup of, of the church. And so um, 
again, scaling is easy in one sense that on paper, you know, we have coaches and a coach is, is over, uh, three to four small group leaders and they meet monthly, uh, and they have access, you know, weekly to this coach, as far as phone calls, text messages, as far as, Hey, this is going on in my group. What do I do? I need help. I have questions about this. Um, and so it's a coach for them, but the coach is also making sure, Hey, how many people in your small group have gone to base camp? That's our first step in our, in our class discipleship mm-hmm. strategy. And so, Oh, well, I've got two guys that haven't gone. Okay. Well, man, you've got to get them in there. And so that's part of discipleship, um, you know, and, and moving them along in the process. Are they serving, you know, are they giving, you know, we're, we're, what's their marriage? Like all of those questions come from the coach to the small group leader to make sure the small group leader is actually helping people and, and challenging them, you know, to grow. So that's, so that's the thing, you know, as far as scaling, you need a coaching network, uh, where you've got a small group leader who is under a coach and then the coach is, is, is under either a director or a pastor that's giving them the coaching and the, and the accountability that they need. That's a lot of hard work. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's as cool as you talked about that. It, eventually it does come down to the grunt work of doing it life on life, not only discipling people, but building leaders and time and proximity are really the only way I've found that that, that happens. Yeah, right. Uh, absolutely. The grit, you know, the grunt work of man, like we gotta, we gotta model it. We gotta do it ourselves, but also and get in proximity to leaders and invest. Um, yeah. So, and that, and that's I, not like fast. You, you can't, you mm-hmm. can't like microwave that. And so that's why, you know, when you're, when you go into, you know, leadership in a church and you want to grow a church and that's your primary, like focus is just like growth, then, you know, you can miss it. Um, but when your primary focus is to develop leaders, um, you know, now it takes the weight off of, I got to have, you know, more people on Sunday. We got to have attendance. We got you know, you kind of release control of that and just say, look, I'm, I'm not going to, you know, stress or have anxiety about how many people are here. What I really want to do is I want to get 10 to 12 guys over to my house this Friday night. We're going to, you know, we're going to talk about the Bible. We're going to hang out and I'm going to challenge them to lead people to Christ. And out of those 10 to 12, not everybody in that group is going to get excited about it and, and do it, but you're going to get you know, one or two. And, and I've heard guys say like, it's, it's going to take, you're going to have to disciple 20 to 30 people to get one or two, you know? And so the, Mm -hmm. the ratio on that is, it doesn't, is a little daunting, but, um, sometimes you'll, you know, you'll be fortunate and you'll, you'll get more, but that's just kind of the grind of like, I'm gathering these guys, I'm going to challenge them going to help them grow and one or two are going to step up and they're going to actually disciple other people, even though I'm going to challenge everybody to do it. And, and by the way, that is one of the things that I always do is like, if I've, if I've got, you know, I like more three to five guys in, in a group like that. Uh, but once I, I, I'm with them anywhere from six to 12 weeks, my challenge at the end of that is, Hey, I want you guys to now go find, you know, three to five guys. And I want you to take them through the Bible study that we just went through. And when you do that, that really, I've seen a lot of growth out of that in guys that they actually do that. And they come back with great stories and, and 
And uh, they learn a ton by doing that and growing by that. And of course, that's the scalability of reaching more people when when you can start to multiply yourself that way. Yeah, man, absolutely. Uh, I'm not sure if you're familiar with Greg Ogden's stuff, but um, transforming discipleship uh, really helped me with that framework you're talking about of so many times people get drained, want the bat a thousand with disciple making. And it's like, you're, you're not, but man, you know, and I, I shared this in an earlier episode of you see the kingdom grow more through quality in a small number than quantity uh, with, with discipleship and multiplication, right? Like if you, yeah. you swing it 20, but two get it, those two, if they follow Jesus faithfully their whole life, that's a lot of kingdom impact uh, through For that sure. investment. Oh, for sure. And and you do that over the course of, you know, 10, 20, 30 years. And, you know, you see the how 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 much in, influence you can really have, you know, by, by doing that. And so, you know, it's not sexy and it doesn't always, you know, it's not going to sell books or, you know, <laughs> yeah. but yeah. it really is what Jesus did. And um, there's a lot of there's a lot of fruit that comes out of it. And we've seen God do some great things as a result. And it's, it's very, you know, we'll like go back to the pressure of ministry that pastors put on themselves. A lot of times, you know, sometimes it's from our people. A lot of times it's just pressure that we as pastors put on ourselves to have a ministry look a certain way or have a certain amount of people in it um, <clears throat> or to have a certain amount of baptisms or whatever the number is that we put on ourselves. And, you know, I would I would love for pastors just to be like, look, who stinking cares about that? And, and let's just dial the pressure back on yourself. You're not here to save the world. You're not here to grow the next mega church. Just it, just get three to five guys, you know, in your house, develop them, pour pour everything that you know into them, and just watch watch what God would do with that, and do that for the next twelve weeks. Find three or five more guys do the same thing and just and yeah. just keep doing that and and watch what God does you know with that I, I think guys would be shocked to see you know the the impact and and we take the anxiety and the pressure off of ourselves from being something that we feel like we have to be and we can just be who God created us to be and um, we'd be a lot happier in ministry amen and that's great a great word. So, so many of our listeners are uh, new. Um, a lot of it's, it's really neat. Just want to say hey to everyone. So we currently are part of a network of churches. And so a lot of the podcast is circulating among uh, Connect Group leaders, Heart and Soul members. So maybe speak to those that um, maybe their next step is to be the one discipling. Um, you know, maybe what would be a word, which you, you already shared uh, some great things, but what about our listeners of... Um, you know, why, why should they take that step to become uh, a multiplying disciple that, that makes disciples? Well, I mean, I, I think it is who God created them to be, right? It's how God um, has called each of us. It's disciple making is not just a pastor's job, you know, whether, you know, you're in full-time ministry, part-time, uh, or, you know, you've got a full-time job running your own business, uh, you can be in relationships with people and point them to Jesus and help them take their next step. And so I think that um, 
it's the great commission is for all of us. Um, I think that's the, the purpose for each of us. And so I, I think when we're a part of that mission, we're a part of that. Uh, God just, you know, it's just fun. God blesses. It's a little messy at times when you're in relationships like that, for sure. But it's also just super rewarding. Um, I, I think, you know, one of the things that we have, it, like as a, a, a guideline is that you can't lead a group unless you've been a co-leader of a group uh, for at least six months. And so that really kind of slowed us down in the early days because we, you know, we always tried to stick to that. Like somebody was wanted to start a group and it was like, hey, you need to be a co-leader. And we, we stick to that because they needed to see it and experience it. So if somebody's wanting to take mm-hmm. this step, I, I would say make sure that you're, you know, you've been a part of it. You've seen it, you know. Mm-hmm you're learning how to do it. You've, you've learned it from somebody else so that you're not just out there kind of winging it. Um, and then I would say if, if, if a guy is a pastor or in ministry, um, just, you know, uh, wh- whoever is listening to this, like if you want to take your next step as a disciple maker, then make a commitment, like maybe for like the next six months, like from, from now and until, you know, six months from now, scale back your calendar, free yourself up, read every book you can on making disciples that's out there. Uh, visit every church that's doing this well. Talk with every pastor you can who's doing this well. Learn, soak up everything that you possibly can. Um, and then after six months, you know, start to put everything down on paper that you've learned and you know, kind of help develop on paper a system that you're going to walk with and that you're going to use. Um, you know, at your church and your setting, you know, whatever role you have. Uh, but I, I think, you know, sometimes we put the cart before the horse, like we get excited about this and then we don't really have, you know, the, the system in place or the strategy in place to really see it through. And so then we run out of steam or we, we get frustrated with it. Um, we don't have a coach or we don't have somebody that we can call and say, Hey, what, what, what's going on with this? And so, I do think everybody needs a coach. And so that's one of the things like for me, I never really had anybody that like discipled me. Um, uh, I never had that guy. I, you know, grew up as a pastor's kid. And so I think everybody in our church was like, he's good. You know, he's covered. (laughs) And so, (laughs) which is not true. If you're at a church, make sure you're pouring into those pastor's kids. They need you greatly. Um, I think they get overlooked all the time in the church because people are scared or people think that they got everything they need from their parents or whatever, but that is just simply not the case. Um, I've got four teenagers, so I know they need help. <laughs> but um, I, I, the thing that I did have is any anytime I had a ministry related question, I could call my dad. So he was kind of a coach in that. I have an older brother. Um, he's 13 years older than me. So growing up, I always had, if I had a personal situation, you know, I always kind of called him to lean on. So I would say those were coaches and, and, and they did disciple me, uh, through that natural relationship. Um, but other than that, my seminary professors that, you know, I sat in their class and read a bunch of books, went to a bunch of conferences. I was just a learner. And so I wanted to soak it all up. Um, and so, I think it's about six years ago, um, uh, Sean Lovejoy started coaching me uh, from Courage to Lead. And so that was a huge part of my ministry as well. It was just in leadership and he was a great help. 
And so now I'm coaching for him at Courage to Lead. And so that's been awesome. And uh, being able to, to be a part of that and give back to, to pastors is, is something that I really enjoy and love today. Yeah, oh, that's great, man. I think there's a lot of wisdom in, in what you said, too, of just being a learner. Uh, there's just a lot to be said for that, of just having the discipline to learn and grow uh, so we can get good at what, what Jesus commanded us to do, right? Yeah. So, yeah. And, uh, man, I, I wanted to honor you, too, before uh, we get ready to, to close. Um, I think about something, uh, the Busy Pastor podcast, you made a comment one time just about people and, and leaders in general of, if we're if we're busy making disciples, God seems to take care of the rest. And uh, so I just want you to know that uh, as as I go about uh, life and ministry and leadership, I think on that often, and and I want my calendar to reflect that I care about investing in men and making disciples. So uh, I want you to know, thank you for who you are and what you do. And uh, and I'm just honored that uh, you've you've decided to join us, man. Um, so I really appreciate you. Yeah, well, thank you for having me, Buck. It's been great to uh, get to know you and uh, spend some time with you today. Thank you. Awesome. Absolutely. Well, y'all, Trent Stewart, pastor of Foothills Church. Trent, thank you. And uh, for our listeners, man, uh, thank you for listening to uh, the Authentic Discipleship Podcast. Would love for you to like, rate, leave a comment. Uh, We want to get the word out. We believe this is a conversation Uh, that the church uh, should have. And so, uh, as we always share, remember, we only get to do life one time. Let's live it on purpose. Love you guys. See you soon.